We talked all about these witnesses that Jesus had and these witnesses that Jesus appeared before. We talked all about these witnesses that um, Jesus had uh, shown up. There was like not just the 12 apostles that, that he had appeared before, but there was um, like 500 witnesses that Jesus had appeared before. And so Jesus, it's been very much proven that Jesus is absolutely 100% at the forefront of, of Christianity about, about what this gospel is all about. Jesus is, is 100%. It's only about Jesus. It's only ever been about Jesus. And everything points to Jesus. And so when John has is, is talked to us, um, given us this book that we can go through, this gospel, he tells us, all there is to know about Jesus. And it's and, and this is one of those great books that again we can point people to. This is one of those great books that we can tell someone if you don't know a whole lot about what the Bible is, about what the Bible teaches, if you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, then you can come to the Gospel of John and it's a great place to start. And so again, we talked all about just the first five verses last week, talking about you know, in the beginning was the word, uh, was was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, um, God was there. He was. He made all things. All things were made for Him. All of that whole idea about who Jesus is, who Jesus was, everything is Jesus. Everything started with Jesus. He was there in the beginning. He is there in the end. We pointed all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation showing that Jesus not only existed, but Jesus is the absolute word of God. And so that's where we landed last week was talking about how Jesus is the word of God. And this week we're going to be continuing on starting there in Verse 6. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It says that he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is, is of only, the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So as we talk about the what's happening here in, in this set of verses, we see that uh, we're introduced to John the Baptist. 
which all the Baptists was, he was basically like the first witness for Jesus. And so he was, he was the, sort of this first witness who, was, who came, who was, who was told, here's what's going to happen. Here's everything that's going to happen. Here's everything that's going to point to Jesus Christ. He was revealed this information. And, and when John the Baptist came, he was pointing out that Jesus is the one who is yet to come. He was preaching this, this good news. And basically what he did is he received this, this premonition. This premonition that, that, that something big was going to happen. That something, something major was coming. And so this premonition was given to him so that he could then begin to warn others of what was to come. Of what was about to happen. And so the message that, that we get to see John the Baptist begin to bring to us. Is, is he brought, and you can see this in Matthew chapter 3, he began to bring this message of repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. John the Baptist came, he, he was like, he was pointing every, telling everyone, like, here's, here's this good news, here's the, all this stuff that you need to know, here's all these things that are, that are coming, here's all these things that are happening. He goes, but, but understand that it's not me. It's not me that you're supposed to follow. It's not me that you're looking to. It's not me that, that you're supposed to focus on. There's one greater than me that is coming. And I've been given this, this message. I've been given this vision. And all I'm supposed to do is point you to the fact that you need to repent and be baptized. So that's what he did. He told everyone this this testimony, this, this, this message that's been laid upon him, and, and it was given to him so that the testimony of Jesus couldn't be refuted. It was so that the testimony of Jesus couldn't, couldn't be squashed down so that people would know that, hey, I've been given this, and you're going to see this unfold, and there's going to be this truth that's going to come, and this truth is going to happen, and you're going to know that it's truth because you're going to watch it unravel, unveil before your eyes. You see, you can't discredit a testimony. You can't discredit a testimony that you get to witness for yourself. When, when somebody tells you something and then you watch it actually happen. You know, have you ever had those times? My wife does this all the time. She goes, hey, I'm telling you right now, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> husbands, you got four? Especially husbands. Let me tell you right now what's going to happen. And then it happens and you go, yep, there's truth in that. I've been, I've been that's happened to me tons and tons and tons of times where, where she has said, here's what's going to happen. And then it happened. And then I go, well, I can't, I can't discredit that in any way, shape, or form. It is what it is at this point. That is truth. You said it, it happened. Now, in John the Baptist's case, he was given this message by God. Thankfully, Sean's not getting these messages from God to tell me what I'm doing right or wrong. But, but John the Baptist received this message from God, and he, told, he was told, you need to go out and tell these people to repent and to be baptized because one greater than you is coming. And then it happened. And that's the important piece here. That's the important part of this. See, Jesus knew that there was going to be these witnesses needed. 
If you, if you were to flip forward a little bit and go into John chapter 5, and we'll get there eventually uh, as we go through this series, but in John chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus says this, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. He knew that it was going to take other people to talk about him, to tell about him. He knew that, that if he just simply walked in the room and said, hey, I'm the Savior, follow me, trust me, do whatever, he's like, well, that's all well and good, but, but that's just my word coming out of my mouth. Why should you believe or trust that? Now, granted, we're talking about Jesus here, and that is worth trusting and believing in. Just throwing that out there. I'm a terrible pastor, but I can tell you that. But what I'm saying is if I came into the room and I told you, I said, hey, just so you all know, I am the greatest drummer who has ever lived. You, you don't have any... I've got one. I, here's the thing. You all are just going to have to take my word for it. But now that this entire room, other than just TJ, says, absolutely, hands down, you're the best drummer in the world, then that begins to matter. That begins to take hold because you guys are witnesses and you're giving your thought and your opinion. Jesus knew that this was, this was similar. Jesus knew if I just simply walk in and I say, hey, just so you all know, I'm the son of God. Otherwise, I'm going to go, I'm in your opinion. However, if this entire room says, Jesus Christ, I've witnessed what you're doing and I believe in you and you are the son of God, then that begins to change things. And that's the reason that Jesus pointed this out in, in chapter 5. He says, he says, if I alone bear witness about myself, then my testimony isn't true. I need for other people to see and to believe and then to share. And so that's what Jesus pointed us to. It's the reason that we have John the Baptist. It's the reason we have all of these other witnesses. It's the reason that we have testimony to talk about who Jesus is, about what Jesus has done. John continues then to point out, to point back to beginnings like he was doing in the first few verses. He kept pointing us back to Genesis. And so there in verses uh, uh, 9 through 10, there in chapter 1, he says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world didn't know him. Now there's a couple of key things to pay attention to there. The true light, which gives light to everyone. Praise God that we have a Savior who decided, I don't need to just save some of you. All of you need to be saved. All of you need hope. All of you need forgiveness. All of you need salvation. And so therefore, Jesus Christ, the true light, says, gives light to everyone. And then, and then as this is being given to us, John shares with us, he says, he says, this light has been given to everyone, was coming into the world. He's talking about in these beginning stages where Jesus Christ was, was given, handed down from heaven, God sent him to come, to be born of a virgin, just like it talks about in the book of Genesis. Just like we, we get to see how everything, um, 
it begins with, with God creating the world, with, with God um, separating the light from the darkness of the heavens and the earth, and he creates man. We get to go all the way into Matthew then, where we get to see that, that Jesus Christ enters into the world as a baby, born of the Virgin Mary, and we get to have that story. But that story has to go all the way back to Genesis again, when, when it says, I'm creating everything. He says, let us create man in our image. Jesus Christ existed from the very beginning. And we know that because of the way that John, the book of John, very first starts out. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word. And that's what we talked about last week. But it tells us that he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Everything was made through Jesus Christ. But it says an important thing, yet the world did not know it. You see, without Jesus Christ, we're lost. And that's exactly, that's exactly the case for every single person that has not turned their heart to Jesus Christ. They are absolutely lost. But that's where we get to where we start in today, talking about the idea of grace. And so, uh, the, the first thing, Timmy, you're going to put it up there, if you would, please. Uh, the, first, the first point that I would like to lead us to is that truth leads us to grace. Truth absolutely leads us to grace. And so, it says uh, in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory as the, as, as the only uh, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. John the Baptist is revealing this truth about Jesus, and it just simply cannot be denied. But John, the writer of this gospel, he is revealing truth about Jesus that just simply cannot be denied. When you look at the Bible as a whole and you start going through it and you understand that this, that, that what we are given here, this Bible, that it is historical, that it can be proven, you understand that the information being given to us here simply cannot be denied. It says that the Word became flesh. Jesus came, he was born of a virgin. We can see that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. But then the next thing says, he dwelt among us. Do you really know what that means? When it says he dwelt among us, if you go all the way back to the original language, what that actually means, what that's interpreted as, is he pitched a tent. That sounds a little funny because that's just not simply the way that we talk today. We don't, we don't talk in a way that says, you know, hey, you know, will you come and dwell with me? Meaning, come over and pitch a tent in my backyard. You know, if I say, hey, come dwell with me, that means we're probably going to lunch or something like that. You know, or hey, come over and stay at my house. I'll give you a spare bedroom or something like that. In this case here, it says that, that, that um, he came and he dwelt among us. Again, that literally is come and pitch a tent. Again, all of this points back to the Old Testament. See, people back then would have understood this. People back then would have made these connections. Back then, they had this tabernacle as they moved, as Moses was, 
leading his people through the desert. They had this tabernacle that they would set up and, and, and they, would, they would dwell in a particular place and then they would tear it all down and they would move down the road on their 40 year journey and then they would build it all back up again. And they did this over and over and over. And as they did this, there was this cloud that followed them. And it was, it was God. This cloud would go wherever they went and they knew that God was there. And God gave them the instruction to build up this tent. And so that's the reason that they say God dwelt with us. He pitched a tent wherever we were and God was with us, dwelling with us, no matter where we were, no matter what we were doing, God was with us. And so God humbly sends his son Jesus now to dwell with us and to be with us. And so no matter where we go, it's like, it's like Jesus is pitching a tent right there with us. He's always with us. He's always there anywhere that we go. He is walking with us. And so this truth, this truth is what helps to lead us to grace, to understand that in the beginning was the Word, that the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that, that God is with us, that He sent His Son to dwell among us so that we would never be alone, so that we could have witness and testimony to understand that who Jesus is is absolute truth, that His Word is absolute truth, and that the things that He did were absolute truth. To understand that as he came, he humbled himself to be with us, those of us who need to repent, those of us who need to be baptized, those of us who need to be saved by Jesus. Which then keeps us moving forward here as we, as we go forward. In verse, starting there in verse 16, we get this idea that grace is absolutely unending. And praise God for that, because, because who in this room doesn't need grace? I think we all need grace. I think we all have, have a need to be forgiven. I think we all have a need for Jesus to be in our lives, because without him, we're nothing. Without him, we have nothing. And so, we, we need grace, do we deserve grace? No. We're sinners. I mean, Scripture tells us that. It's, you know, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We don't deserve grace, but what we know is that, that the grace we are offered, first of all, it's amazing. Secondly, it's unending. From the, from the time that we were created all the way until now, talking about thousands and thousands of years, God's grace has remained the same. God's grace has been given and offered to us freely. And so, it says there in verse 16, from, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It says that from his fullness we've all received Grace upon grace. What is it like to receive grace upon grace? What, what, does that, what does that do? What does that even look like? 
You know, I mean, it's one thing for me to give somebody grace, you know, like, you know, hey, I mean, just as an example, Timmy and I, we come up here and we set up the, the new sound system. I'm asking you all for some grace today on, hey, there's, there's a few little things here and there when you get sound with the first video and those sorts of things. We ask for a little grace and you all generously give us grace. But you see the way that Jesus does it, is he goes, I'm not just going to give you grace for where we see that you are lacking. He says, I'm going to give you grace as well for where I know that you're going to mess up. You see, it's one thing to be lacking, which means there's room to grow, which means that there's room to improve, which means that you're trying, but you just need a little more time, right? But then there's this grace that says, you need grace because you're not good enough. You need grace because you're going to screw it up. You need grace because I know for a fact that even though you know I'm watching, you are going to mess up, and sometimes you're going to mess up on purpose. And so, so Jesus is able to offer us grace upon grace, which means not only is he being willing and patient for us to come to him, to, to grow with him, to learn, and, and, to, and to, to submit ourselves to him, but then he says, I'll also have grace because I know that each of you are sinners, and you need forgiveness. And so he offers grace upon grace upon grace. And, and, and praise God, he does offer that. Because we all need that grace. We all are in, without that grace, we're in trouble. We need God's love. We need God's grace. And it says that he offers it to us. Because he has received from his fullness. Jesus Christ isn't just this man who came. Jesus Christ isn't just this God that, that was born of a Virgin Mary who led us into his life and, and did great miracles. Jesus Christ was fully human. He was fully God. Able to do anything in all things. He was able to, again, he, he existed from the beginning. He created all things. All things were made through him. And so Jesus Christ, who is fully God, who is also fully man, is the only one who can offer us this sort of grace, this grace upon grace. See, Moses led his people for 40 years through the desert. He led his people through the desert, and not a single one of the people who were released from Pharaoh, not a single one of them made it to the promised land. Not a single one. Not even Moses himself made it to the promised land. Moses had a particular job. His job was to lead the people. His job was to, to get them from point A to point B into God. And he did that. But his job was to do it obediently. Now, all along the way, there was a lot of different sins. You may remember Moses went up on top of the mountain and he got to look upon the Lord as the Lord walked away. He didn't get to look upon the face of the Lord. He, he, he was able to watch as the Lord went away and, and, and come down off the mountain and said his face was just so bright and it was glowing and people were scared because they thought they were seeing a ghost and, and, and that's what they and, and for, for Moses, what he probably expected was to come down and just sort of see 
see everybody just amazed and just following God and being so thankful for God. And instead, it comes down and there's this golden calf that's been made. And they abandoned the Lord and they started worshiping this golden calf. And, and, and he's, he's angry about it. And so, while all these people were released from Egypt, from Pharaoh, to begin taking this journey, and they got to see all these miraculous things, they got to walk through the middle of a sea that had been parted, like they saw the works and the miracles of God for, their, for, their, for themselves, with their very eyes, and it still wasn't enough to keep them from sinning against God. And so not a single one of them ever made it to the promised land. Moses himself was denied entering the promised land after sinning against God. God had told him, you rely upon me for Don't do anything yourself. And there was this one instance where he took his staff and his feet were hard and thirsty, 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 thirsty. He was like, shut up already. Hitler's locked with his staff and water come out of him. And the Lord went, you can't provide for these people. As hard as you try, you can't. I provide things. And he was, he was denied getting into the promise. Now granted, all of this is before Jesus, right? Before Jesus entered into the world as flesh. We had rules, we had laws, we had all these things that people had to do. And people would try to atone themselves with these things. Like they would try to get rid of their sin. They would try to do all these things, but what they found is that none of us were. And that's the reason we needed Jesus. And so God sent his son to come and to be that perfect sacrifice, that perfect atonement for sin. We had to have someone who was perfect, someone who was without sin, someone who led a perfect and sinless life, a life of service to other people. Um, he, he had to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, like everything had to point to him so that there could be this truth about who he was and about why he was here and about what his number one goal was. His number one goal wasn't to be lifted up on high. To look like a king and come riding in on this great white stallion and to prove that he is this mighty person that you're to follow here. But instead, he says, I'm who you follow in heaven. Everlasting. It's important for you to understand that, that. That Jesus Christ came humbly. That Jesus Christ came to offer grace and that grace was unending. Grace upon grace upon grace. Unending, never ceases, and it's always available. Jesus Christ came to live a life of service. So much so that if right before his death, right before his death, he cleaned the feet of his disciples. It was a job that was reserved for a servant. It was a job that was reserved for it was a nasty job. These people walked around in sandals and it wasn't paved outside. It wasn't like you could just wear your sandals and walk across our nicely new paved parking lot. You do that, your feet's not going to get all nasty there. I'll clean your feet if you want to do that. It's different though if you go walking through uh, Montana in sandals like I did when I went out west. I had sand and dirt and places I didn't know I could get it. 
And the thing is, is Jesus Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself and, and he cleaned his disciples' feet. It was a low job, a lowly job, one that most people didn't want. It was a job that most of the time that the people who did that were the they were looked down upon. And Jesus Christ humbled himself and he offered grace to those who needed it. He led a perfect, sinless life full of service to other people, and he gave grace in the process. It's exactly how we're called to live. And when we accept that sort of grace, when we, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we trust in what God's word points us to, then we have grace that allows us to become children of God. Go back to verse 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see what that says. Do you understand what this is saying? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus? That's the question. Have you received Jesus Christ? If, if you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ, then it says you have the right, you have full rights to become children of God. Keyword there. There's an important keyword to look at. It says, it says, become the children of God. Why does it say become? It doesn't say that, that if you believe you are children of God. It says you earn the right to become children of God. And that's an important thing to take note of. You've got to believe. And you have to receive Jesus. You have to believe and you have to receive Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Way the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except for him. That's what Jesus tells us. I had this conversation. He's not here today, so I'm going to talk about him for just a second. Since one very him that he's not here. My brother Joe has been sharing on Facebook. He rededicated his life to Christ this year. This was, this was my brother who years and years ago had, had he said, I got saved and I was so super excited and I broke down and I, just, I was in tears and I was just so thankful he, he got saved and then he went and got baptized in somebody's pool and it was amazing. But he, he, he deals with a lot in his life. He deals with depression. deals with a lot of, of, of different things and and he struggled. And he began just this internal struggle where his brain started to tell him, man, that's not true. That's not real. You don't want to do that. And he and I got to have a really lengthy conversation this week where I asked him, I said, what do you believe here? What do you believe in your heart? I understand that your brain is telling you one thing. I said, but let me tell you something. Satan can get into your brain. Satan can tell you a lot of things. Satan can change the course of your way of thinking, and he can set you on a path that is destructive. So 
What do you believe in your heart? What does your heart tell you? It's not a brain issue. Jesus is always going to be a heart issue. And he said, well, I don't want to believe what the Bible says. So then, what's stopping you? Well, I mean, but, you know, like, I've got all these thoughts. No, 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 no. Take your brain out of the picture. Stop thinking. What do you believe? What do you choose to believe? Do you believe to choose in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes. Do you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins? He said, yes. Do you believe, do you choose to believe that Jesus Christ rose three days later so that you could receive salvation? He said, yes. I said, then what is your problem? Because you, by your admission, is saying that you choose to believe in Jesus Christ. I don't care what your brain tells you. You believe it in your heart. You choose Jesus over anything else in this world. He said, absolutely. That was a big deal. It was a big deal. That moment, something, something clicked. And he said, I'm saved. There's this moment where if I ask you, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Have you been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? You have to choose one or the other. You don't get to ride the fence. He and I have joked for a long time. Or you just ride the fence. He said, I'm riding the fence. Right? I'm riding the fence. And I said, you don't get to ride the fence. There is no fence. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you choose Jesus Christ in your life? And the answer has to be either yes or no. It can't be a maybe. If I ask you if you're going to heaven, there can only be a yes or a no. If the answer is no, come and see me. Come and talk to any saved person in this church. We're all going to tell you and point you the same way. We're going to point you right to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. He said, I believe. And I choose to believe. And that's what I choose to follow. I'm thankful for that today. The question becomes, will you accept the grace being offered to you today? Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?